0: Well good morning everyone. I hope everyone is well and um, as usual I thank you guys for allowing an old itinerant country bumpkin to stand before you guys and bring forth the word. I hope God has something to say because I got nothing. want to thank Pastor David too for reaching out and asking. It's always good for me to come here. I see familiar faces. And when you get to be around my age, that's a good thing. You get a chance to remember. Well, I don't know about that because sometimes I don't remember. (laughs) You just to talk about what the Lord is doing and all of that good stuff. We're going to be in James chapter 3. Going to continue in what Pastor David's been teaching you guys. Um, but before we get started, may we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you and bless you. And we ask God that uh, you would fill us with your presence, with your power. God, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and fall afresh. Uh, teacher of all truth, we pray that you would indeed do what you were. Called to do, and that's to point us to Jesus. And so, God, by the power of your word, will you reveal your truths to your people? I pray, God, that hearts are prepared to receive, ears are open to hear all that you desire to share with us. Bring forth truth, revelation from on high concerning your word, Lord, that we might be able to glean from what you have to say. And Lord, that we would use it to walk therein in it. And so bless this time, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Just real briefly for those who may not know me, I'm uh, an associate pastor with Calvary Chapel Lexington. I've been there since 2000 and, wow, 2001. I know I don't look a day over 35, but I am... Uh, It's been a long journey. Uh, I oversee a ministry called U-Turn for Christ. It's a residential ministry for men who have uh, problems with addiction, caught in the bondage of that. And the Lord used that ministry back in California to redeem my life. And I've been a part of that ministry since 2000. So it's been a very uh, crazy journey for me. I didn't grow up as a believer in Christ, but uh, God is good, God is merciful, and God is gracious. And at the right time, if you're willing, he'll break you down like a 12-gauge shotgun and make you cry out to him and ask for help. So I'm grateful for that. This morning, we're going to be looking again in James chapter 3. And in the book of James, the apostle writes about practical faith lived out in our daily lives. The epistle is known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. In very practical ways, James has us take a look at our faith through trials. He has us look at our faith through temptations. He has us look at our faith as it applies to how we treat people, whether we are partial in judgment concerning them. Is our faith a true faith demonstrated by our works? Because he says that apart from works, our faith is what? It's dead. And here in chapter 3, James wants us to recognize that real faith in Christ is not just revealed in our works and how we behave, how we live our lives. It also can be revealed in what comes forth out of our mouth. So think about that for a minute. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, you know, I knew the difference between what I should say and what I shouldn't say. And if you said a curse word or when I was growing up, it was a cuss word. You knew that that was bad. That wasn't right, you know. But as I was reading this, it placed really more emphasis on just the idea of how I'm using my mouth and what's coming out of it, you know. And in it, and I hope uh, God does me justice and allow for all of us to see truly that if we're professing the name of Christ, there needs to be something good coming out, and we need to be conscious of what we say. True conversion of the believer occurs when God, Holy Spirit, comes to dwell within us and begins the sanctifying work of consecration. God begins to work in our hearts, purifying us, burning the dross off and making us more like Jesus, conforming us more in his image. The mouth can be a pretty good indicator of whether the work going on inside of us is the consecrating work of the Holy Spirit or whether it's the confirmation, the conforming work of the world inside of us, the world conforming us to its image, because that's what Romans chapter 12 says in verse 1 and 2. Is the work within you making you more like Jesus or more like the world? Take a minute to think about that because the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of us, right? And he's doing the work. He's separating us from the world. So take a minute to take a look at The work that's coming out of you. Is it the work of the spirit? Am I being more conformed into the image of Christ? Do I see Christ in me? Or better yet, how about this? Do those that I communicate with and I have um, communion with, activity with on a day-to-day basis, can they see Christ being formed in me? Or am I looking just like the rest of the world? Someone was to follow me about from a day to day basis and not hear me say anything but just watch me, and they knew that I had professed to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me as a Christian? Is the work of the Holy Spirit again making me more like Jesus or like the world? Well. well, what comes out of a mouse can be a very true barometer of that very fact. James shows us very practically that believers cannot f- profess Christ and yet the tongue be unbridled. That is not true faith. Chapter 1, verse 19 it speaks about be slow to speak. Chapter 1, verse 26 tells us to bridle the tongue. Chapter 4, verse 1 says talks. it talks about having many quarrels. 4.11 says says not to speak evil against your brother. Excuse me, 4.13 says that we're not to speak arrogantly, don't boast. And So James is perhaps the most comprehensive word of instruction regarding the tongue outside of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs has many passages that speaks about the use of the tongue. So let's see what the Lord wants us to learn regarding this small but very powerful member of our anatomy James chapter 3 verse 1 I'm going to read the whole passage then we'll come back and try to pick it apart not many of you should become teachers my brothers for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness for we all stumble in many ways and if anyone does not stumble in what he says he is a perfect man also able also to bridle his whole body If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide the whole bodies as well. Verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is fire, a world of unrighteousness or evil. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Verse 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water and so we go back up to verse one and James begins this section of scripture by speaking of teachers of which he was one and it says again not many of you should become teachers why because the teachers will incur stricter judgment when those who stand before God's people and teach his word stand before almighty God they have to give an account and they will be judged stricter in those times Well. The book of James is believed by many scholars to be the the first of the New Testament epistles that was written. And so during this time, uh, Jewish uh, Christians uh, used to meet in synagogues. And in the synagogues, they would have an opportunity uh, to have uh, someone stand up and bring forth a word. And so uh, what Paul is saying is that, you know, many times people, well, I want to do this. I want to stand before God. I've got a word. God spoke to me. And Paul is saying you need to be very careful about that because if you're standing, professing to be a teacher, standing before God's word, bringing a word, Paul says that you will indeed have a stricter judgment. And so Paul is cautioning against this because the weightiness of bringing forth God's word could have an impact on God's people for eternity. Serious business. So please pray for your pastor. Pray for all pastors. It's a serious business when we speak of God's word or bring God's word before his people. And then verse 2, he talks about the one who is mature, maturity of the word. For we all stumble in many ways, and Paul's including himself because he says, we do, we, Paul including himself in that, we all stumble. All the more reason not to want to get up too quickly and stand before God's people. Because we all stumble. There's none that don't. But he says in that stumbling, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. That word perfect doesn't mean perfection. It means mature. And so the one who is able to watch what he says is a mature individual. One of the ways spiritual maturity can be measured is in the use of one's tongue. And I thought about that. Interesting. What comes forth out of my mouth will determine in many cases whether I'm mature or not. And so picture this. The more mature the conversation is, the more adult-like it should be. So you have children talking, and you kind of eavesdrop on that conversation with the kids. If you weren't within their presence but you heard them talking, you could tell that those were kids, right? Those were children talking. Let's move up the scale chronologically with teenagers. Teenagers talk different from children, right? There's a difference in that. And if I just eavesdropped on the teenagers, I could pretty much ascertain, not always, but for the most part, those are children. And let's move up the scale to adults. Hopefully, if I'm hearing conversation coming out of adults' life, they're not sounding like children, they're not sounding like teenagers, right? So what's the point? So if I'm professing to be a Christian and I'm telling people that I've been walking with Christ for a long time, there should be a sense of maturity, not just in what I'm doing, but what's coming out of my mouth. So question, when you open your mouth to speak, does what come forth, come forth from a mature Christian? Is it children language? Is it teenage language? Or is it adult-like language? And as I was studying this, man, I thought about that. God, help me. (laughs) I open my mouth sometimes and it ain't always mature, that's for sure. But again, remember that Paul is talking about true faith being shown by our words. If I say that I truly believe in Jesus Christ and my faith is true, then what comes out of my mouth needs to be an example of that and exemplify that. So it is, again, spiritually. The more mature in Christ we are, that should have a real impact on what proceeds out of our mouth. So what we see here is that maturity is not just measured by our behavior, but also our words. Not just what we do, but what we say. Going on. Verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships, verse 4 says also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilots directs. So in this passage, beginning in verse 3, what we see is, that the word of God could be used to build up. A horse is a powerful animal, yet with a small bit, the rider directs it wherever he desires. The rudder is a small instrument, but it guides a large ship, even against strong winds. In other words, it's able to produce a positive effect in the one who's guiding and directing it. And the application for you and I, the tongue, though small, is powerful and it should be used to bring forth good. That which is positive and edifying and building up for the use of what is good. And so when I'm using my tongue, when I'm speaking, Lord, may it be that which brings edification to those who are hearing. But the tongue can also be a tool of destruction verse 5 says so also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things in other words it's very powerful how great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire and the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness the tongue is set among our members staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But, verse 8 says, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Wow. The destruction of the tongue. The tongue, though small, has the ability to make a great boast. In other words, it is powerful. It's very influential. Verse 6 talks about not only the tongue... Uh, being powerful and influential, it is perverse and destructive. The tongue is like a fire. Turn to Proverbs 16, if you would. The tongue is like a fire. Proverbs 16, says this. A worthless man digs up evil while his words are like scorching fire. Proverbs 26, turn two. Then verse 18, we'll look at through 22. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, was I not joking? For lack of the wood, I'm sorry, for lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down. Like Like charcoal to hot embers, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. And in 22, the words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into innermost parts of the body. The tongue is a world of unrighteousness, evil, and wickedness. But also in verse 6, it talks about the tongue staining the body. Our words have a way of corrupting our bodies. Look up at James 1, 27. It says, pure and undefiled religion is the sight, in the sight of our God and Father, is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. We are to remain unstained, blameless. And so the word that proceeds out of my mouth, the words can have a way of staining and corrupting my body. 2000. I went through the ministry of U-Turn for Christ. And just to give you uh, a, brief back, a brief background, uh, there are two phases. Phase one is two months where you're pretty much on uh, the, the property of the ministry, and you're doing daily disciplines. You wake up in the morning, you do Proverbs, you go to work, uh, you'll have a Bible study in the afternoon, you eat and all of that stuff, but you're you're surrounded with a whole bunch of Jesus, a whole bunch of men and women serving the Lord, and it's a very good environment for the foundation of God's word to soak in and to build you up and to cleanse you and to consecrate you, to wash you clean. And I had the occasion of traveling into L.A. And the ranch is in Paris, California, and L.A. is roughly 60 miles east of, or west of uh, Paris. And I went into LA. Uh, I was on a ride with uh, the pastor who founded U-Turn for Christ, Pastor Jerry. We were headed to um, LAX, the international airport in in LA. And we stopped in the convenience store before we got there. And it was early in the morning, because we're going there to catch an early flight. His daughter was coming in from Thailand. She had went to some soccer camp over there. And so we go into the, uh, to the convenience store. And and we're trying to get some coffee. and, And two young men came in. They had uniforms on. And it looked like they were either going to work or getting off from work. And they came in and they were just talking, not really paying attention to anybody. And the words that were coming out of their mouth were very profane. But that's just how people of the world talk in the way that they were talking. Because I remember talking like that. I remember talking and just letting ex belift deleters fly out of my mouth without any thought. And I'm saying all that to say this, not to glorify the coarse conversation. As they were speaking, every time a profane word would come out, it was like somebody sticking me with a knife. Not because I'm all holier than thou and praise God and all of that. It's because I hadn't heard that language in a while. The language that I was hearing was things of God and things from God and the word of God is going forth. And so my point is this. The words that we speak can have that corrupting effect on our bodies. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I can't stand profanity today. And I get very upset and I have to guard my mouth because I want to go to somebody and say, you shouldn't be talking like that. And I get very upset. If somebody is using profanity in the presence of a a woman, a female, that gets me angry. Because I have one daughter and I got a wife. And I don't want anybody speaking all of that profane stuff in their ear. They shouldn't have to be hit with the contamination and the poison of the words that come out of people's mouths. And so my whole point is this, is that... The words that we speak can have a very staining effect not only on ourselves but on other people's lives and we need to be careful about what we say. Our words can be our tongues can be very destructive. It sets a destructive course for our lives. So here it's saying, just a small flame can burn down a great force so the tongue can burn up and destroy life. How many times have you and I said something in the moment that we said we we're trying to, oh snap, I didn't mean to, trying to bring it back. Don't be looking at me like that, you know y'all said the same. <laughs> I, I, wishing that we could take it back. How many in that moment of temptation wish they would have said no instead of yes. An innocent flirtation that leads to adultery. A harsh word spoken in the middle of an argument that severs a relationship, even a marriage or a friendship. And so indeed the tongue can be a very, very great fire that burns our lives. And it says in verse 6 that the tongue is the source uh, I'm sorry, that the source of this destruction is the perversion that comes from hell. Satan himself turned to John 10:10. 10. 10. John 10:10 10. 10 says this: "The thief comes only to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. When we cannot control our tongues and we use it for destructive purposes, we are pawns being used in the hands of Satan, bringing destruction into our lives and others around us. It says that the source of this power of the tongue being evil and wicked is from hell. Verse 7 says, Every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. When I was growing up, there was a place in San Diego called Sea World. You could go there and they would put on shows with the orcas. They'd have the orcas jump out of the water and all that stuff. Orcas some pretty big sea creatures. I've been to the circus and seen men train elephants, lions. And so the word of God is saying man can train these beasts. But it also says in verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. No one can tame it because it is restless evil. It's unruly, unsteady evil. But it's also deadly. It's like deadly poison. The words that proceed out of my mouth can be very destructive and very perverse. But not only is it perverse and destructive, it's also polluted. Look at verse 9 again. It says, "With, with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Like the forked tongue of a snake, man's uncontrolled tongue spews forth both praises and curses. Praise of our Lord and Father is polluted by cursing or wishing evil against men made in the likeness of Almighty God. And James is saying, my brothers, that ought not be. Praise and cursing coming out of the same mouth should not happen. This is inconsistency. Verse 11 says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Very great question that is very rhetorical because the answer to it is what? Absolutely not. Fresh water and salt water from the same spring? Nope. Olives from a fig tree, no. Figs from a grapevine, no. Salt pine bringing forth fresh water, of course not. If I take an apple seed and I go plant it in the ground in the season where the seed germinates and it gets root and it blossoms and it grows into this big tree, do I go out expecting oranges? Of course not. I'm gonna get what? Get apples. So here's the point. A believer's tongue should not be an instrument of inconsistency. Small and influential, the tongue must be controlled. Satanic and infectious, the tongue must be corralled. And salty and inconsistent, the tongue must be cleansed. So we got a tongue that is inconsistent. We got a tongue that is influential, satanic, and controlled by the powers of hell. And it shows salty which is an inconsistent tongue that needs to be cleansed. So you ask, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? Glad you asked. First, control. Go to Galatians chapter 6. We've got a, a tongue that we need to control. We need to corral. We need to cleanse. The three C's. First one we need to control. it. Galatians 6. Drop down to verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Verse 21, envy and drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and here it is, what? Self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And well, so if I want to learn how to control my tongue, the word of God gives me very clear instructions. It says to be led by the Spirit, be yielded by the Spirit, and walk in the Spirit. And I'll have that self-control. Turn to Psalms 18.2. We looked at controlling. We want to look at how do I corral my tongue. Psalms 18, 12 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. If I want to corral my tongue, I need to surround myself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen up in here? (laughs) Because if I'm surrounded and corralled by Jesus... Okay, Jesus, you right here? Yes, I am. Okay, I guess I ain't going to say that, huh? <laughs> I guess I'm not going to say that, huh? Yeah, we need to recognize that he is indeed our rock, our fortress, our deliverer, the place that we take refuge. So we know how to control. We know how to corral. Let's take a look at cleanse. Turn to Ephesians. Because as we saw earlier, when I speak these destructive things, it stains not only myself but others. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 says this, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. The word of God washes us clean. It cleanses us. It's like going out into the world and dealing with all of the perverse and and evil and wicked stuff and you come home and you just feel like you just got to take a Holy Ghost bath. Oh, and so I just get in the Word of God and just let the Word of God just wash me clean. Thank you, Lord. The Word of God washes clean. And so one of the things that I I learned early on going through the ministry of U-Turn for Christ is that the Word of God is what I need to be in day in and day out. Study to show yourself approval. Workmen need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And So you and I need to be in that, particularly in this day and age, because the word of God will shape your worldview. And in today's climate that we're living in, worldviews are pretty crazy, and I'll say nothing else. I'll leave that alone. Final thoughts. I know some of you are saying, wow, thanks, Pastor. What a great message you just left. This tongue that I got is crazy. It's evil and wicked, so I'm just going to go out there and conquer the world. Thank you. What an uplifting message you gave us, right? (laughs) It's almost like reading what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7 where he writes, the things that I want to do or I don't want to do, I do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. He says, I delight in the law of God, but there is a war waging in my members against my mind. And he cries out, Romans 7, 24, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin, Here's our victory. Here's how we find victory over the small but destructive member of our anatomy. We use our tongues to speak good things, to speak things that build up and not tear down, turn, finally, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. And as Paul cried out, wretched man that I am, he says, but thanks be to God. God is the one that delivers us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear it. Edification means the building up. So when I'm speaking things, when words are coming forth out of my mouth, God, may it be words that build a brother up. May it be a word that gives individual listening the grace that they need. And so there's a way for me to use my tongue in a very positive manner where I'm speaking the things of God into people's lives and I'm building them up. Grace is being imparted on them. In one last passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 5, please turn over one chapter. Ephesians chapter 5, drop down to verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of the Lord. Speaking the things of God singing praise to God, singing hymns and melodies and making music in our hearts and allowing the word of God to permeate in such a way that the joy of the Lord is coming out of me. That's how I tame my tongue. And so finally, what we do is this. We make the word of God and Christ not only be the centers of our lives, but we make Christ and almighty God be the center of our conversation. Not just living it, not just giving him the glory and the praise, but we give him glory and praise when we speak forth what? Those things that are edifying and building up. That's how we can do it. And so there is hope for us, family. Yay, thank you, Lord. Huh? There is hope. I don't have to go home and Man, this tongue, I'm getting ready. To... I don't have to cut it out. We just got to learn how to tame it. We just got to learn how to corral it. We just got to learn how to control it, amen? Let's pray. Father, we bless you, and we thank you, God, and we give you glory. Worthy are you, O Lord of God. Worthy are you. And Lord, in just studying this and looking at your words, Lord God, it just made me take into consideration in a more deeper way the things that I allow to spring forth out of my mouth and it's not, Lord God, in just in the, the audience of others, Lord God. It's even when I'm by myself and I'm on the interstate and I hit, hit malfunction junction, Lord God, and I'm cut off and I want to say something, Lord God, that's not edifying, it's not building up. When someone makes me angry, Lord God, and, and I want to retaliate and, and strike back, Lord, your word is very clear. That though the tongue is indeed unruly and evil and wicked and all sorts of wickedness and destruction can come forth, Lord God. You've given us a way to bring it under the subjection, to control it, to corral it, to cleanse it, Lord God. And it's by you, God, Holy Spirit, that we can. And so, Father, help us. As we leave today, Lord God, I pray that we would be more conscious of our words. That we would be intentional and have a desire to say things that are pleasing, that are edifying, that are building up. That you would receive the praise, the honor, and the glory. We love you, Lord. We love you. And we ask, Lord God, that you would receive this offering of our worship. That it would be a sweet sound and a pleasing aroma to you, God. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Amen.